Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Some of y'all need to get a new vision for your nation. Shut your mouth and begin to declare that this is a nation blessed by God. That this is a nation under the rulership of Jesus. You need to stop saying that it's going to be like this and it's going to be like that. And there ain't nothing we can do about it. But I have come to declare you, you can open up your mouth and you can decree that this is a nation of righteousness. This is a nation of revival. This is a nation of awakening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, may not like where it is, but the only way to change it is to speak to it. The oracles of the Lord, His word does not return void. Hallelujah. I want you to pick your Bibles up today and go to the, the book of Hebrews chapter 6. I want to, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today concerning our revival future. So I, I want to speak on increased capacity. It's a term that we use a lot around here. Capacity, increased capacity, increase your capacity. Don't know if I've ever preached on it or taught on it. But I want to take a few moments this week and possibly next week and just push into this. Because God cannot take you where you have not already positioned yourself to experience all God is where you are in other words the cry in other words the cry for more is defined but not where I'm going but where I am In other words, there is more in my future, but I can't handle it till I get all the more in my present. And as we contend for sustained revival, it is imperative revivalist that we get all we can get while the getting's good. This is what the Lord wants to speak to us about today. I'm going to begin in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection by laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Father, speak to us today. Speak to us, Lord. It doesn't have to be profound, but it has to go deep. Go deep, Lord. And we thank you for it, Father. And the church said, come on, let's give him one more awesome praise before we're seated today. Thank you so much. No, I said give him one more awesome praise. Hallelujah. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yes? Yes, you can be seated. You can be seated. Just walk with me for a few minutes this morning. The first thing I want to do is take a few moments and and begin to create a context for our scripture. Most believe that Hebrews was written by the apostle Paul. I tend to lean into that also. 
But Paul is writing to a group of Jewish Christians, believers. And they're feeling the pull to go back into Judaism. They're feeling this, 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 they've been walking with God. They've been receiving instruction and learning and teaching about the things of God. But they're in a position where they are beginning to feel this pull to go back. So by the time that Paul gets to Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6, at least 1 through 2, he's beginning to assess their progress or the lack thereof. You know, there are times in our walk with God that we must assess where am I? Am I moving? Am I stagnant? Am I in the same place I was six months ago, a year ago, a day ago? Or am I flourishing and moving and, 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 and fruit is, is beginning to be released around my life? I mean, where am I? So Paul began to assess their progress and, and came to the conclusion that they needed to have a better and greater understanding of some fundamental doctrines. See, he, he really realized that before they could have an increase in their spiritual capacity, before they could go on to perfection. Now, let me, let me deal with those two phrases right there. Go on to, or that one phrase, go on to perfection. So we'll be on the same page on this. Is, is the phrase go on doesn't mean you just, you're just going. It means forward movement. So it's not just about being busy with God. It's not just about having a lot of motion with God. It's about am I moving forward with God? See, sometimes in life we just want to move on. But moving on isn't really what it's about. You don't just move on, you move forward. Because you can move on and nothing changes. You can just step out of one thing into another, but nothing changes. But when you move forward, then you're moving into something that can add a value to the experience you just went through. Yes? So go on means forward movement. So she said, we're going to go on to perfection. Now, the word perfection can get a little heavy, but literally what it means is this. For us in our, in our vernacular today, it means moving into a higher dimension. Moving into a higher dimension. It really carries the idea of going from one grade to the next grade. We're graduating from kindergarten to first grade. This, this, this is what Paul is dealing with here because he's saying you haven't even got the ABCs yet. And there's some things I really would like to share with you, Paul, and he gets pretty deep in Hebrews, so somehow they got it straightened out. And so, so he's dealing with this right here, and, and, and he's telling him that, that you, know, you need to move on. You need, you need to be going to the next grade. And then he, in, 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 in chapter uh, five, he even gets uh, deeper with it, and he goes, really, you ought to be teaching first grade. We're talking about increased capacity. And several years ago, the Lord began to deal with me about the difference between dimensions and levels. Because that can be a catchphrase in the body of Christ today, going to the next level, breaking through to the next level, going to a whole nother level. Going to this, going to that level, going, and, and, and obviously there are levels in our spiritual walk with God, but watch this. This is what the Lord showed me. He showed me dimensions are much harder to get into because, you see, levels are just steps upward or forward. A dimension is what levels are contained in. So a dimension has a certain amount of levels that you've got to pass through. Just like, just like you, have, you have levels in, in just to, to, the, to the root of the meaning, we all, we know you either in school, out of school, you begin in elementary school, preschool, then elementary, and while you're there, there are certain things you have to learn, 
And once they realize you've learned that well, it's time to go to the next grade. It's time to go to the next level. But when you're in elementary school, you stay in elementary, even though you're moving through levels, that's a dimension. But when you leave elementary school and you go to high school, that's a dimension. But in, but in high school, you have levels. So you don't jump into high school and jump out to the next dimension. You've got to pass. I'm a simple man. I just like to keep it simple. I mean, I could use a lot of fancy words, but here we go. And so you go from elementary, you go to high school, and then you go to higher learning and higher education. You go to college or university. Those are dimensions. So it is in our spiritual life. And so what we have to understand then, if we're going to increase capacity, we're going to have to learn how to learn everything we need to learn on our current level to go to the next level. Because if I can get through the levels, there is a dimension that contains stuff I don't know yet. Yes? So this, this is what Paul is dealing with. And, and, and what we have to understand that is in Christ... There is a never-ending capacity to grow. Just look at your neighbor and say, you ain't grown up yet. First Peter says, in verse 1 to verse 23, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Now watch me because I I need to make a turn here and go somewhere. Many interpret this scripture, I I believe incorrectly, because they believe the word of God is the seed. But that's not what it's saying. Read it. It said you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable seed. And and so what, what, what he's telling us here is we're born again because there is a seed. That gets in the inside of us. The word of God flourishes in that seed. Or the word of God causes that seed to flourish. But the word of God is not the seed it's talking about. When you you put it against the weight of scripture. You understand the seed that it's talking about. Is the person of the Holy Spirit. And that when you and I are born again. The Holy Spirit comes into us. But he comes as a seed. It's one of those things, again, that's hard to comprehend. We get the fullness of him, but we get a seed form of him. And in this seed, seed born again. See, we have lost, I'm concerned, because much of the church today, we have lost the real power of being born again. We have confused conversion, or we have confused decisions, or we have confused people making a statement of faith in Christ that they are born again. But being born again, uh, being born again is a true spiritual experience where the Spirit of God puts a seed on the inside of you. What was dead is now made alive. There is a regenerating power of God causing me to be something I could never be on my own. It's called salvation, being born again. And it is at this moment that this imperishable seed is planted inside of us. The seed. What are you feeding your seed? Breaking news? What are you feeding the seed? The seed that comes into us as salvation shifts everything in our life. It should shift everything in your life. Your appetite should change. Because what I used to eat doesn't feed who I have become. I'm just trying to get us somewhere. See, one of the misunderstood manifestations of revival is the acceleration of spiritual growth. 
That's why those that some think it's shallow, some think it's just experiential. It is all, it is experiential, but there is something about being in an atmosphere of revival, an environment of revival that quickens our spiritual growth. Second Kings 19.30. They said the, the, the surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Did you get that? Take root downward, bear fruit upward. But the key word that caught my attention in this text was the word again. In other words, this ain't the first time Judah's been down this road. Again, they will take root downward and bear fruit upward. Telling us that there are spiritual seasons in which we go deep and there are spiritual seasons in which we grow up. He said they've been down this road. Judah again will take root downward and bear fruit upward uh, but but he says only the surviving only the surviving remnant will do this i hate to say this but i got to be honest not everybody's going to survive revival if you think it's only about the shout it ain't going to take long until you understand it's way deeper than the shout you understand revival goes deep. It cuts hard. It makes sure that it begins to break everything off your life that has stood in your way for your whole spiritual growth. It causes you to look in your hands and see the idols that you hold and you've got to willingly lay them down. I'm talking about increased capacity. It's not a little cute thing. And the reason I'm pushing on it, we get asked this a lot. How does your church do this? How come your people respond like that? And I try to, I try to begin with, it's capacity, man. You got to grow their capacity. You want to know why some of you have grown? I, I, I be honest with you, I don't know of another church that can worship and then in 30 seconds shift from worshiping to warfare and then 30 seconds shift back to worship. You know why people don't know how to do that? Nobody's increased their capacity. All they know is the way it's always been done. You come in and you praise and you worship and you go back into a high praise and you have a little warfare and you move on. They don't even understand that it is possible in one minute to be praising him and another minute to be pushing back hell and in the next minute following your face to worship him. Man, it's when you get all over the place. This is why I'm trying to get this understanding in our spirits. Because God's not done growing us yet. So when this, this seed, the spiritual DNA of God gets implanted in us and it begins to grow, it begins to demand more. See, ever before I demand more for God, God in me begins to demand that I want more. You see, you see, you see, you begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hungering and thirsting push us. Are y'all with me? Hungering and thirst push us. There, there's, there's a thing called a taproot. Taproot. When a seed is put in the ground, the first root to emerge is a taproot. It breaks open the seed. 
and begins to dig into the soil until it finds some water. And once it finds water, it stops. But when the water runs out, it starts digging a little deeper. Because it understands the life of the seed is dependent on the water. It's innately in the taproot. It's what it does. It goes down. And every time it goes down to a level and it stays there, once that level uh, becomes dry, then it goes deeper. Until it finds water. That's its job. That's what it does. And when the seed of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, the first thing it does is grow a taproot. That's why I can't go back to living in another dry place. I can't go. If I get in a dry place, that taproot starts jumping around. It says, I got to go deeper. Some of y'all are here just because your taproot got in a dry place and there was no, there was no hope of rain. So God brought you here because you're like, I got to go deeper to get me some water. Yes. And, and once this taproot is established and it's beginning to do what it has to do to feed the seed, then it, then it begins to then sprout and branch off like little fibers. And what these fiber roots do or secondary roots, what they do is they increase the capacity of the root to absorb water. Selah. It causes the root's capacity to be, it'll never drink as much as the taproot. And it doesn't have the capacity to dig but it has the capacity to absorb on the level in which it is in. And it absorbs the water, absorbs for us Holy Spirit presence, Holy Spirit activity. It absorbs this, but even when that level becomes dry, the taproot starts looking for water because that's what it does. There is a seed on the inside of you today. I, I, I'm hoping somebody, somebody is getting what I, I, I'm trying to say. Uh, uh, because you see, it's important to, to understand this. Why am I in the middle of a revival church? And why am I in the middle of a revival? And I feel like I'm in a dry place. The reason you're in a dry place is not because God's done. It's because he's getting ready to take you deeper. He said, why don't you get out there and dig deeper? Why don't you pray a little more, praise a little harder, intercede a little more, read your word a little Why don't you dig? If it's dry where you are, dig! You see, in your spiritual life, all of us, in our spiritual life, there are four arenas which God relates to us in. The first one is the arena of, I'll call it the saved life or salvation. Everything spiritual in your life began as salvation. Your spirit man was made alive to Christ. Desires changed. Positions and identity changed. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. And all things are becoming new. That means this thing ends immediately. But it moves on progressively. The new keeps coming. This is revival at its best. It's when the new keeps coming. Because revival is an impartation of new life. and something that lived was about to die. But God has mercy and sends life. And then this thing called salvation is awesome. You begin to feel the weight of sin 
and addiction and, and, and bondages and hurts and trauma begin to be broken off your life. You begin to every day, you think, oh, how great it is to walk in his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace. Oh, how wonderful it is to know I have a savior. And it's like, man, I could stay right here forever, but then God comes along. And to let you know that your salvation, it wasn't a ticket out of hell or a ticket into heaven. But your salvation was meant to lead you to a place called the spirit life. It's when you receive the blessed baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. It is also supposed to be a radical shift. Let me just say these things because I have some concerns today. You see, many places, my, my concern is salvation no longer is a radical shift. A.W. Tozer said, it is a, I am of the opinion that tens of thousands and maybe millions have had some type of religious experience with Christ, but have not been born again or truly saved. How many of you are in this room today that what I'm talking about right now is foreign to you, but you think you're ready to go to heaven? I'm preaching out of a heart of compassion right now. My desire is to make sure you have a radical encounter with the saving knowledge of the Holy Spirit and that you are born again. And then there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is also radical. So it's not just about receiving a heavenly language. It is about receiving a heavenly language, which we believe, because I'm still classical Pentecostal, call me old school all you want. That's what I am. That's what I was born and bred on. I still believe you speak in tongues. It's the initial evidence. You got it. Now let's move on to greater things. And let's let that build a prayer life up on the inside of you that causes hell to wish it had never messed with you. Because he used to use your mouth to curse. He used to use your mouth to criticize. He used to use your mouth to gossip. He used to use your mouth for all kinds of nasty things. But now your mouth is being used to release the will and purpose of God in the earth. And so it's on this level that we begin to really begin to see and, 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 and we begin to understand spiritual things. Uh, we, we begin to see the fruit of the Spirit beginning to develop in our life. And if not, if not fully, we begin to see things changing in areas. We're thinking different. We're acting different. We're responding because the fruit of the Spirit is growing. And then the gifts of the Spirit can be activated in our life because any spirit-filled believer who has faith, a measure of faith, can function under the gifts of the Spirit. So this is a great level. It's an amazing level. And about the time we think we got the spirit life figured out, here comes God. If you think I just saved you, to get you a ticket out of hell and into heaven. And you just think I filled you with the Holy Ghost. So you could have a prayer life. And flow in the gifts. And manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And now you're going to shut yourself up. My four no more. We're just going to counter God. 24-7. We're going to say, we're going to soak, and then we're going to bake. <laughs> then he takes us to this third arena. This third arena I, I, I will call the self-life. Theologically, we call it sanctification. It's when God begins to bear the weight of the cross upon us. May not get no shouting right here. It's when the weight of conviction 
Because there are areas in my life that I have not fully surrendered. But God is saying, I brought you to salvation. I brought you to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm bringing you to the cross. And I'm bringing you to this place of sanctification. You have to go to the cross. It is part of God's process which causes all of us to be useful to God. God keeps shifting our season. But the good news, every season has a time limit. Because he's trying to get us ready on a level so we can carry the weight of the next level. So, so, so this, this is important. It is when God causes us to get a realistic view of who he is and who we are. It is a place which we talk about going to but very few of us get there or like it when we get there. It's called vulnerability. It's when I talk to God out of the realness of my soul. It is a place of sanctification. It is a place of becoming a useful vessel. It is the place that where God is doing this deeper and this deeper work. It's when the fire is not about passion, but the fire is about inner pain. He shall baptize you with fire. It's not passion. The fire he's talking about is a purifying. Holy Ghost, go down deep in my soul, digging up stuff I don't want anybody else to know about, much less me and God talk about. This is a place we all have to go. Don't sling off the cross. Embrace the cross. Live at the foot of the cross. Let God do what God's got to do. Yes. So we got the saved life, the spirit life, the self life. And then that brings us to the supernatural life. This is where now God, through the working of the Holy Spirit, grows us into a position where we now can be a funnel of the supernatural of God. This, this really ties in to the self-life, the self-life and the supernatural life. I, I believe it might have been Catherine Kuhlman who we all know walked in the realm of supernatural, signs, wonders, and healings, and miracles, saw all kinds of supernatural manifestations in her ministry, understood this because she said, every time before I walk out on that stage, I die a thousand times. I die a thousand deaths. You've got to wrestle with this person on the inside. You've got to make sure that person is dead. I mean dead. You've got to make sure it's not rising up and getting its hands on something that was never meant for us to touch. That was only meant for God to touch. But yet he uses us as channels for a holy thing. It's the whole concept of you can't give out what you haven't taken in. If I'm going to release supernatural power, then somewhere along the way I have to take in. I, I, I'm trying to move us to this understanding of increased capacity. Let me go back to what I was saying. Not everyone will survive. 
Some barely get by the spirit life into the self-life. Many falter there because the self-life is what deals with their outer reality. See, it's one thing to talk in spiritual terms. It's a whole nother thing when that spiritual terms begins to affect and flesh out in my life. Lord, I'll give you everything until he shows up and says, give me everything. And I'm not talking about your prayer life, and I'm not talking about your word life. I'm talking about your car, your house, your dreams, your goals, your incentives, everything you got laid out there in front of you. Give me that. Then, then, then it's like getting real. It's like we're not running around acting all spiritual anymore. We're like, you're like in a daze. Like what? You really want that? You don't want that. Oh, yeah, he wants that. The fact you said you don't want it means he wants it. Somebody's preaching today. So I'm talking about increasing our capacity. Deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. The, the, the intensity that I feel in my spirit today is because I really believe God wants to take the, the revival that is manifesting in this house right now and he wants it to go deep. Not that it's shallow. It's just time to go deeper. See, this, this is it. Y'all listen to me. I'm trying to father you through this. As a revivalist, we are not allowed to get stuck on the level where we came into revival at. If you've been here five, six years, hope to God you're not where you was when you came in. It's not allowed. Your daddy's telling you it's not allowed. You got to grow up sometime. You got to get real sometime. You got to go from glory to glory, strength to strength, and faith to faith. Not from dysfunction to dysfunction to drama to drama. That ain't what he said. He said, you're going to go. You're going to go from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith. I'm on a journey. Yes? Yeah, watch this. So not everybody is going to survive it. Why, Pastor? Because they, 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 they struggle with the intensity of increased capacity. What God is getting ready to demand of his church, not just Fresh Start Church, every church, his church. He's going to demand increased capacity because he knows what's coming on the earth. And he knows that the current church development process doesn't give the body of Christ what it needs to grow to where we need to be. It is not producing the kind of believers that can or that are willing to push deeper. We have come cozy with our current capacity. Preacher, I like where I am. I like where I am with Jesus. I like where I am with my understanding. I like where I am. I appreciate all that God has done for me. But if you don't mind, I'm going to stay right here. The problem is, is our world isn't stopping. And the situations that are going to begin to arise, we have not seen yet. We have not faced our biggest battles, had our greatest challenges. And we need to make sure that we have the spiritual capacity to deal with with what's coming. So we're comfortable with our current level of understanding. We're comfortable with our current level of encounter. We're we're comfortable. But you see, when we become dull and sluggish in our pursuit of progress, 
It is much easier and much more comfortable to backslide into dead formal religion. Religion being form without power. You talking about being backslidden in a revival church? Absolutely. I have a mandate to keep you on fire. I have a mandate to make sure this thing is sustained. You can't sustain revival with backslidden people. Pastors are discouraged all over our nation today. I don't know what I'm going to do with these people. I'll tell you what you better do with them. You better get them on fire. You better shake them out of their carnality. You better demand more out of their spiritual life than they are presently giving. They're not going to give it up just because you think they're going to give. They're going to give it up in that seed on the inside of them. Speak to the seed. Lord, help me. So really, in our text, what we see here, it is an apostolic indictment against the church for not creating an environment that demands spiritual growth. If if your spiritual fathers and mothers don't have a right to demand growth out of you, who does? Any good parent knows that ultimately, to be a successful parent, you've got to teach your children how to survive on their own. See, the revival environment should be producing fruit-bearing believers. Revival... It's not an event we go to. It is an environment that we grow in. (laughs) Nothing more tragic than being in a revival environment and staying captive to your carnality. I'm I'm trying to preach us, to provoke us into growth today. So, so uh, Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, spirituality, revival. You see, the church, and many people lose this, is that, that the church is the place where the life, the very life of God is pressed into our spirits. To keep us alive in God. I want to keep you alive in God. And so I have to tell you this. God is not in a posture to relent at our lack of response. I'm talking about the church. God is not detoured nor deterred by our lack of response to the call to go deeper. This is why I'm challenging pastors all over our nation today. Rise up. Speak to the sea. You may say, you know what? I don't have to listen to this. I'll just go to another church. I wrote it down. I have a word for you. Too late. You've already been exposed to the fiery presence of God. You go ahead and try to go some dead environment and hide from God, but God ain't going to let you up. He's already got something on the inside of you. That's too valuable for you. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go now. I'm just going to be 
a baby. I'm just going to go and have my way. I'm just going to go, and I'm just going to be a shallow Christian, a carnal Christian. I'll still go in the rapture. I'll still go to heaven. Let me tell you something. Oh, you have already tasted and you have seen that the Lord is good. Go ahead and go to some dead, dry place and it won't be long until that seed on the inside of you is going to be jumping and saying, what in the world? You done got me in to a dry place. I just come to help you. Don't waste your time. Because once you have tasted the more, the less will not I couldn't imagine going back. That's what backslide means. It means I'm going back. I'm going back somewhere where I thought it was better. I'm going back somewhere because I thought I could get more there. But you're going to go back. Don't go back, child of God. Don't go back. Go deeper. Go deeper. Surrender it all to Jesus. Give it all to him. Give everything to him. And said, plunge me into the depth of your spirit. Now, now let me... Let me just take a few moments here and set this up for next week. Because apparently Paul is under the conviction that these elementary principles of Christ, that these fundamental foundational doctrines is something that someone needs to really have a grasp on in order to move into another dimension with God. He's struggling now because he said, I'm not seeing you, you don't seem to grasp these. I don't know how long they've been taught, I don't know how long they've been believers, but they are coming out of dead, dry formalism to serve a living God. This thing is a lie. And so what Paul is not saying here is that if you write, if you can write down from memory, all of these foundational doctrines with three scripture references, you can move on to the next dimension of revelation and power. That's not what he's saying. Anybody with focus can do that. What he's talking about It's not just knowing them mentally. But he's talking about living them out spiritually. Living them out in a dynamic Christian experience. So we don't just go on. Because we know more. We go on because we live more. And I don't mean to mess anybody up. But when this book was breathed by the Holy Spirit upon men of old, and they, and they began to write out the living word of God, they were writing this out so we could have doctrine. Got to have doctrine. Believe in doctrine. Getting ready to release systematic theology in our, in our, school of man, our mental school of ministry. Revival, tool of revival. So I believe in it, but please understand. God didn't say, I'm going to give them a book so they can create doctrine and dogma. No, he said, I'm going to give them a book because if they understand it and live it, it will bring life into them. It will breathe life into them. I, I want you to, because next week I hope to release something over this house um, uh, uh, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because then he goes on and he says these things. He says, listen, you need, you, need to, you, need a, you need an understanding. You need a revelation. You need the depth of repentance. You need to understand repentance. You need to understand what it means to repent of, 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 of dead works. You need to understand what it means to repent. And you need to understand what it means to move in faith. 
toward God. He said, you can't go on until you get that. That's foundational. If you go without the ABCs, you're not even going to understand. You're not going to understand how to read. You're not going to understand how to put stuff together. It ain't going to make no sense to you. So let's go back over here and let's understand how to, how, let's understand how to repent of dead works unto faith unto God. Let's understand the baptisms, plural, not one, plural, three. Understand the baptisms and what that means for you. You need to understand what laying on a hands are. You need to understand the power of that in the life of a believer. You need to understand and you need to carry a revelation, uh, a revelation of eternity. You need to know these things that's going on around you. He said you need to understand the resurrection of the dead and you need to understand the eternal judgment. He said if you got those things down, welcome to the next dimension. Welcome to the next dimension. You see, I want you to understand this. Now, let me wrap this up because I find it interesting that he begins with repentance. Don't worry, I'm not going to do them all. I'm just going to do repentance. He starts with repentance. Why? Because repentance is always the starting place with God. Salvation begins our spiritual life. Repentance comes on the heels, or salvation comes on the heels of repentance. Repentance is when you change your mind and make up your mind that you are going to live another way. Somebody shout repentance. You see, the reason this is important to us is because where there is no repentance, there is no revival. We need to understand the power of repentance. The first, G, the first message of Jesus preached was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, the first message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Paul preached, all men everywhere, all men everywhere should repent. I want you to know repentance is a very solid doctrinal part of revival. Everywhere there has been revival, it has been followed by the people of God moving into deep repentance. So I find it interesting. He starts with repentance. So let me start today with repentance. Why is that important? Someone said, that sin and hell will only be divorced by repentance. Repentance. The coming to a quality decision to put faith in Christ that positions you for a spiritual encounter to be born again. So why is it important to us, the church? You say, Pastor, most of us in this room went to the place of repentance. Then we understand that repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance itself is, not, again, not an event. It is a progress, a progressive, I should say it is a progressive act of turning into a revelation of God's character. This is why for the believer, repentance doesn't end at salvation. This is why as I continue to walk with God, I continue to turn and I turn away from where I'm going and I turn back to God. And when I turn back to God, I see revelation. See, when we turn, it's repentance. When God turns, it's revelation. I see something apart about him that I have never seen before. You see, so what am I saying is, is repentance is the pathway to revelation. So you can't stay in the same level of revelation and live in another dimension. If you're going to go into another dimension, as you're going from level to level to level, you should be gaining revelation of the very character of God. He's never going to run out of himself. He'll take us through all eternity, 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 and completely reveal himself over and over and over and over again. This is the God we serve. So there are times in our life that when I feel myself becoming stagnant and I feel myself stuck, then what's going to bring me out of it is an act of repentance, of turning away from this and seeing him for who he is. Somebody shout yes. Okay, let me, let me, let me do this. Y'all remember the story. Zit. Stay with me. 
Y'all remember the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, the mighty prophet, signs, wonders, and miracles. Elisha was following him. And one day, Elijah turned to him and said, ask me what you want. What, what do you want from me? And Elisha says, the only thing I want is a double portion of your spirit. Elijah backed up and he says, listen, that's a hard thing. But if you watch me, if you watch me, and you see me leave, you can have it. Can you imagine Elisha? Poor Elijah. I mean, Elisha's everywhere. Everywhere. Can't take his eyes off of him. Pray he's going to get raptured out. He is on him like. And then suddenly, a chariot full of fire comes down. Takes up Elijah. And Elijah throws his mantle down on the ground. And Elisha's watching everything. Watch this because we miss this sometimes. Because before Elijah ran over and picked up the mantle, our Bible says he took off his clothes and he tore them in two. I'm done with that. That used to be my identity. That is what I serve God up under. You got to get this. You got to get this. You got to get this. You got to get it. And so, so he takes it. He takes it off and he tears it in two. Why? Because he wants to make sure he doesn't ever put it on again. Not going to put it on again. Not going back to where I used to be. Not going to be a prophet, junior prophet like I used to be. Not going to watch signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm getting ready to do me some signs, wonders. So I'm done. I repent. I'm not putting that back on. And then he walks over and he picks up the mantle of Elijah. And he says, this is who I am. I have come to declare this to you. What is repentance? It's when you take it off. Tear it up. And put it on. Because he said, I'm not wearing that anymore. But I got me a new mantle. I got me a new assignment. I've got me something that I'm getting ready to do powerful for God. Somebody jump up on your feet right now and declare it. I'm taking it off. I'm tearing it up. And I'm putting it on. Hey. See, what I'm trying to do is take us into another facet of repentance. Most of us are aware how we deal with repentance and sinfulness. It is a great sorrow that we carry on the inside of us that moves us toward God because of his goodness to forgive us and to cleanse us and to set us free. See, the primary purpose of repentance is dealing with our, our level of salvation but the secondary is that deals with our service. We've got to be able to pick up the mantle. Because it's not just about productivity. That's when he talks about dead religion. Faith toward God. You bring those together. He said, I don't need your dead works. Dead works are anything we do in ourselves and give it to God. Here. He says, I don't want that. Because it's not about productivity. A lot of people will be disappointed one day. And they stand before him and say, here's, this is what I've done. And he goes, I don't want that. That's dead. I never asked you to do that. I never told you to do that. Because we think we're in this thing, for, it's all about productivity. To please God, it's not. It's about partnership. It's about God saying, put the mantle on, boy. You put the mantle on, you got the power. That's my mantle. I gave it to Elijah, and I'm giving it. Take it up and put it on. 
We know that God gave Elisha the desire of his heart because we know he did exactly double miracles that Elijah did. The thing I want us to see is that our capacity increases with our level of repentance. I'm not too proud to take off what I've been wearing and tear it up. No matter what it costs. No matter what it costs. That right there has got God all over it. That's carrying the assignment of my life. I pick it up. And then he crossed back over. Where did he go? He crossed into a whole nother dimension. There's only one way that Fresh Start Church and revival goes to the next dimension. Only one way. Is if you go. If I choose to go, if Pastor Kim chooses to go. No, it's when we all go. The cry of my heart today is we all go. I will do whatever I need to do. To get to the next, I'll give up what I need to give up. I'll lay down what I need to lay down. I'll tear off and tear up. As long as I know when the dust settles, he's got a mantle. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.